Good morning. Good morning. So, um, preparing for this message this week, I um, realized a little bit that I was in an interesting spot as a 20-year-old giving a message about the godly child because on one end today, we're going to be talking about parenting, and I have no experience parenting. <laughs> we'll put that out there, and um, I don't think I'm going to have any experience parenting anytime soon. And on the other end of it, I do have some experience as a, as a child. I was a child. I still consider myself in a lot of aspects to, to be a child, but um, I will say that I am nowhere close, uh, thinking back through a lot of my childhood, I was nowhere close to being the godly child that I want to preach about here today. And so on both ends of, of this coin, I would say that I am <laughs> one of the least qualified people to give this message. But um, I pray today that the um, Holy Spirit will work through me, that I can give this message, and that it will um, provide some clarity over what we can do to be this godly child. And so, yeah, as I said, I'm not qualified to be and come to you today and talk about this parent-child relationship of the 21st century. Um, and so when we come together today, I pray that this church family that Tim reminded us about a couple weeks back, I pray to you that we can speak solely from the scriptures here today that I've read this week. And I, and I beg of you this morning just to open up your hearts as the Holy Spirit works through us in this room to examine the relationships that we are in with our parents or as parents to kids. And finally, I'm going to end this message today talking about what we can do as a church family and examine the relationship that we have with the children of this church as a whole. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as I come to you this morning, Lord, I pray that, pray that you work through this room. Lord, I pray that um, you just, you, you do, do the work that you always do, Lord, and I pray that this message is, is what you want, Lord, as I know it is. Lord, I pray, that, I pray that you work through me. Lord, I pray that you work through the worship assistants, and Lord, I pray that you work through the worship music this morning, Lord, to prepare our hearts for adoration and just glory of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to start by going back and reading that passage again, because it's so short, we have the time to do it, and I think there's a lot of things that we can gain from just these short four verses. So in Ephesians 6, verse 1, we read, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mo mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Kids, if you couldn't tell by the emphatic tone of the words, we are called to both obey and honor our parents. Obedience is important to God. And, and I see some of your faces. Carson, I saw you kind of, does that, does that mean all the time? Right? Does that mean in everything we do? Let me just tell you that it, it does mean all the time. In fact, the only exception to this rule would be if our parents were asking us to do something against what the Bible tells us. But what I've found to be true in my own life and my own personal disobedience to my parents is that it's not a result of unbiblical advice, right? Rather, what I have found is that when I've disobeyed my parents in the past, it was because I was putting my will before the will of God. Let me say that again. When I disobey my parents, it was because I was putting or prioritizing what I wanted, my will, before what God wants or his will. I'm sure this puts a different perspective on obedience, and we are told to obey our parents much in the same way that God commands us to obey him. 
But obedience is nothing new from what we've read in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 6 through 9, we see God command Noah with precise instructions on how to build an ark that would survive the coming flood. In Genesis 6, 13 through 17, we read, And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all the flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make the rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 500 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to the cubit above. And set the door of the ark in its side. Make it, make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which it is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that, uh, that is on earth shall die. I read those words from the Bible and asked myself, I've been far more disobedient on much less of a request from my parents. Obedience is important to God. David wrote in Psalm 119, the scripture passage that Gage started off our service this morning in the call to worship. And in verse 33, it says, Teach me, O Lord, the ways of your statues, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. David was called by God to be obedient to God. And he was asking God to lead him so that he may follow. Obedience is important to God. My final example is simply just the recognition of, of obedience in Paul's life throughout the New Testament. Before Paul, formerly known as Saul, was radically converted, he was viciously persecuting Christians. Saul was met by Jesus on Damascus Road, and Jesus asked him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And on that day, Saul was converted and was now known as Paul, dedicating his life to worshiping the Lord and spreading the gospel in obedience. Obedience is important to God. So children of St. Louis Crossing Church, I want to start this message by asking, how obedient are we being towards our parents? I'm including myself in this too, because I I was really convicted as I was going through this message this week. How How many times have I been disobedient to my parents' requests? Or maybe a better question for some of us is, how many times have I been disrespectful when my parents have asked me to do something? You know, the second part of that verse in Ephesians 6, verse 2 states, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Just as important as that obedience is to God is making sure that we do so in a way that honors our father and mother. I'm not going to speak too much in depth on this, but honoring our father and mother does not mean rolling our eyes, being disrespectful, saying mean things, or just being downright rude. Although the TV shows of the world today portray this as like the cool thing to do, right? Is to disobey our parents, right? That's the awesome and cool thing to do. We know better than this because we know what scripture says. Obedience and honor are important to God. They're so important that it is the first commandment with a promise. And who knows what that promise is? Who knows what that promise is? Nobody, no hands, nobody's going to raise their hand. Nobody knows what the promise is. Thank you, a couple hands back there. In Exodus 20, verse 12, we read, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. It's right there in the word. Obedience is important to God. And kids, we honor our parents with obedience. That's a great way that you can honor the Lord. I think so many kids wonder, what can I do to honor the Lord? I'm young. I don't have a lot of resources. Honor your father and mother. 
That's a great way to show your dedication to the Lord. Through that, we can start to grow and be molded into the image that God has planned for our lives. So now, on to the second part of this message. I want to direct the conversation over to the other side of the table. Parents, how should you raise godly children in our world today? Um, let me start by saying this. Parents, your primary job is to point your kids to the Lord. Simple as that. I say point, and that's very important because similar, similarly to sharing the gospel, your job is not to convert. And that's good news as parents. The Holy Spirit does the saving. I think that's something we all need to remind ourselves of as gospel spreaders is that exact thing. The Holy Spirit does the saving. We do the sharing. We don't do the saving. Our job is to faithfully spread the good news with guidance from the Holy Spirit. That's it. And it's very similar to what's happening in our own households. The only difference being that the gospel conversation in our households lasts 18 or more years. It's, it's repetitive, it's intentional, and it's designed by God with a purpose for furthering his kingdom. An article by Stan Strong Ministry states, you see, we have overlooked the great mission field in our culture today, the family. We need to be reminded in our family that our family is the most and first important thing in a meaningful institution created by God. If we would reset our lives to the strengthening of families, in just a few short years, America would see the harvest of strong families living out their faith for Christ. So with that being said, I want to point out just a few pieces of spirit-driven advice that I hope we can t all take back to our own households this week and just start to implement. And the first one is just this. You can't point your children to God if you're not pointed to God yourself. I'm going to say that because I think it's the most important thing in this message. You cannot point your children to God if you are not pointed towards God yourself. When I say this, it kind of reminds me of getting on a plane and listening to the flight attendant as they always give those pre-flight instructions on what to do in the case of an emergency. The flight attendant always says in the case of an emergency that the parent has to put on the mask first if it drops down, right? Don't put the mask on your child first or else you both could be in a much worse position. And sometimes that doesn't seem like the natural thing to do, right? But it reminds me a lot of this situation because in a lot of other ways, the world calls, calls our parents to dedicate their time towards other things. Right? Let's drive our kids to all the sporting events in the world. Let's drive them home and to school. Let's, let's do all the homework with them, summer camp, go to the swimming pool, play in their backyard, all these different things that are just commanding all of our time. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad things. We, sh we should be able to do all those things. They're ordained by God to be good things. But it's easy to see how all these things may consume our lives if we are not diligent in paying attention to them. So how do you check to see if, you, as a parent, you're pointed towards God or anyone, really? I have four questions. Do you set aside intentional time to read the word daily? How's your prayer life? Are you routinely fellowshipping with brothers and sisters outside your home? And are you coming to church? Good news is you got one of those down. You're here this morning. So the other three questions, uh, ask yourself. But pointing yourself to God is not a 25-step process. Answer these four questions, and I think you're going to have a good idea about where you are in your spiritual life. And so ask yourself this morning, how's your faith? The second tip, give your child examples and instruction. So many times I think we simply assume that going to church on Sunday mornings is going to be enough to fuel our walk with Christ. And in doing so, I believe this mindset is pushing across to the youth of this church. While Sunday mornings are important, I don't think they should make up the entire aspect of our faith. 
I read a stat while doing some preparation for this message this week, and I was honestly surprised. It stated that daily Bible readership in the United States dropped 5% over the past year, down to under 20% of all Americans. Yeah. Yeah. The problem has to be solved within the households first. It starts by good examples from the adults in the household, and we do it by giving spirit-driven instruction to our children. We must dedicate time to reading scripture with our families. Christians are called to be countercultural, and this starts with reading the Bible in your home. It shows children the importance of reading the Bible. It sets it apart from all other books in a culture that wants to say it's just another book. It, I also believe God brings those who study scripture together much, clo much closer in their relationships, and I've experienced this personally over the past couple of years. Reading the Bible opens the door for discussion, for teaching, for learning. And if there's one thing I can ask you to do, it's to implement dedicated time to reading the Bible with your family. Additionally, encourage your child when they're the appropriate age. Calvin's not going to read scripture yet. But to start reading scripture on their own, right? Ask them what they've been studying in the Word. Start conversations with your son or daughter that they typically wouldn't do on their own. Ask the questions that they wouldn't think to ask on their own. When basing conversations about God are going to drive your children to be more comfortable and learning from what God has in store for their lives. My third tip, establish spiritual discipline. Similarly along the lines of what I was just saying, developing biblical habits in your own household, we need to ensure that we are developing other spiritual habits as well. Titus 2 verses 11 through 12 says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Our spiritual habits should be formed to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. And this starts on the mission field of our own homes. Joyfully encourage your children to pray. Designate times for fellowship in your own household. Read your Bibles. Again, go to church. I said a key thing right there that I don't want to skip over. We should be doing our encouragement joyfully. Right? We read in Nehemiah 8.10, And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then Paul writes in Romans 15.13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. We need to be expressing the joy we receive from the Lord with our children and family members and enacting spiritual discipline in the home based on joy we, we have received. It can't be a drag. It's not something we have to do. It's all to glorify God, and we got to do it joyfully. The fourth, and I believe last one, do not provoke or exasperate your child. I want to touch on this briefly. I don't want to spend too long on it, but I am sure we can all think of a time when we've done exactly the opposite right, whether that be with your children, another family member, or maybe just even a friend. Um, the last part of the featured scripture for today in Ephesians 6 states, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction for the Lord. I found an article written by Oak Ridge Baptist Church that I think gives this verse more context as well. And the same principle applies to younger children who are still being brought up. Remember the audience Paul was writing to. Ephesus was a Greek city, and, and ancient Greece was a dedicatedly 
patriotic, patriarchal society, sorry, excuse me. Fathers were kings of their homes and wielded near total unquestionable authority. Paul's teaching here opposes this principle. Fathers are not to act like tyrants in their own household and produce restless or rebellious children who resent their treatment. Rather, fathers are to be like their own heavenly father, nurturing, loving, and merciful. So while I know there's a lot of times that we as children need direction, guidance, and overall just being pointed to the Lord, there's also times that children need encouragement, affection, or just somebody to talk to. You know, sometimes I think of the relationship I have with my brother, and this is where I was most convicted this week, and I found myself to get frustrated at him for no reason at all. Um, and I, I, sometimes I'd even just go out of my way to just be mad at him, and um, I felt super convicted at that this week because I thought of this message um, as geared towards the creation of godly children through the Holy Spirit's guidance and how parents can point their kids towards relationships of being in a, in a godly relationship with their child, and I think this message can really be applied to all relationships in our household. I believe that we need to be our family's biggest encouragers, or biggest cheerleaders, if you will, and as well as our family's biggest accountability partners, because this is where the mission field starts, is in our own household. So lastly, I, I wanna conclude by simply talking to the church at large. Let us not end the process of developing godly children simply with our parents in our own household. Tim said a couple weeks ago that we have a ton of wisdom in this church. We, he talked about it when we were finishing up Ephesians 5 with the message on husbands and wives, and he talked about how much wisdom we have in that aspect, but I believe we have a ton of wisdom on parenting, on how to grow godly children in this church because we see it lived out here every Sunday and throughout the week. We need to use this wisdom when we bring up the children of this church. I understand that the pandemic has limited us in the ways that we are able to have as a church family. Some of the things that we used to consider a tradition of this church, vacation Bible school, or even having Sunday school before church have been suspended, and I, and I understand that. But even taking that into account, I still want to encourage us as a church family, as one another, that we can impact the lives of our youth. And I encourage you to do just that. Find ways to impact the youth of this church with God's guidance. I truly believe that God has put it here, us here with a, with a purpose in mind, and that the Bible states that as well. Let's use the wisdom in this room with the Holy Spirit's power to help mold the youth of this church for generations and generations to come. And I'll leave you with this. If you're unsure of where your faith is, or if you've never put your faith in Christ, I want to ask you to put your faith in Jesus today. Even with all the uncertainties of the world around us, Jesus has given us a way to be certain of our salvation. It means repenting of your sins and placing your faith in him as our Lord and Savior. It doesn't have an age requirement. You can do it today. Jesus took our burden, he took our sin, and he slayed it as he sacrificed himself on the cross and rose three days later. If you haven't taken Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't wait. Talk to an elder of this church or one of the other faithful followers of Jesus in this church and start with just a simple yet unimaginably powerful prayer. Jesus, I, I repent of my sins and I place my life in you as my Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I know the message today was, was convicting. I know for me personally, and I hope for others in this room that it was convicting. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit just works in this room. Lord, that you, that you work over the parents, Lord, and, and more importantly, Lord, you work over the children in this room. Lord, that we as a church family can bring up godly children. 
that most importantly, Lord, can impact your mission field. Lord, that can convert more people into believers. And Lord, that more people can be out on the mission field serving you. Lord, and it all starts in our households. Lord, and I pray that our households are a place where we can go and be comfortable and yet challenged. Lord, I pray that we can go and we can be inspired and encouraged. And Lord, I pray that in the midst of in the midst of struggles, in the midst of a world that's nothing but confusing, Lord. Lord, I pray that you bring us a direction. Lord, I pray that you always bring us back to the true direction, Lord, that is your word. Lord, I pray that as we go through this week, Lord, I pray that you are on the center of our mind. Lord, and I pray that we find ways and continue to look for ways that you obviously provide, Lord, to just make us better followers of you, Lord, and just to share your gospel across the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray.